Sok sabai, everyone. Sok sabai. It's good to be back after 10 days away with the crew. Um, we've had a fantastic time, some great conversations, um, and a really um, just um, an enjoyable, um, humbling, powerful time together. So it's, it's been very cool, um, but it's great to be back as well. Um, so we've got a real treat for you tonight. Um, we're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit again. Yeah, <laughs> um, And this this week we're looking at a really important topic. Um, we're going to be looking at what it means to come together with real intentionality and everyone playing their role and bringing their part. Um, is that cool? Um, so for those of you who haven't been... Um, you know, um, coming along for the last year or so. I see a few new faces, so welcome. Um, we've, uh, we've been making our way through 1 Corinthians um, 12, 14, a little bit of 13, um, and, and jumping around in some other um, parts of the Bible as well, looking at what God's perspective on the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, what their purpose, are, uh, what their purpose is, what they're ultimately trying to achieve. Um, and... Um, how they, how God uses them to build the church. Um, so we're going to continue along that theme tonight, um, looking at intentionality um, and everyone playing their role. Cool? So if you've got your Bible, um, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. And I'll just read this out. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Shall I read that again? Just a short little passage, potentially the shortest passage that we've looked at on one of these Sunday nights. So listen carefully. What then, what is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Powerful little passage. Um, and the first key thing that, that struck me was that Paul um, doesn't say, guys, if you're really nailing it, there may be an instance where everyone comes in a certain way. He just assumes that as the body of Christ, this is how we come. This is what it means to be um, together. He says, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. It's almost like in his mind he assumes that this is what it means to be part of a family, what it means to be part of a body. That it's, it's almost as if it goes without saying that everyone comes to play their role. In his mind, there isn't this... Um, 21st century modern Christian culture where he says when the pastor comes he stands up the front on the platform maybe five levels kind of elevate, elevated above everyone else he gets a microphone and he rolls um, you know and he he just does his thing for the morning you know he preaches maybe he prophesies he might, he might pray for a few people he might call some people up to pray for healing um, in the front row if, if they're lucky and then, and then the spectators sit in their seats and they just kind of go with the flow. They listen to the good music. Maybe they raise their hands. Um, they have a cup of tea afterwards and then they go home. 
It's quite different to um, the church community that Paul um, was part of and was wanting to see established here in the book of Corinthians. He says, um, what is the outcome then, brethren, when you, when you assemble together? Each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Everyone he sees plays an integral and an important part um, of this fellowship, this gathering together, this being part of the body of Christ. Um, so here at the Rock, this is what God is building. He's not building a, a hierarchy of um, a, a pastor who has little minions under him who just listens to a, to a message and then goes home. He's, oh, God is building the saints, the household of God, everyone here who is equipped and playing their role. And that's what these Sunday evenings are about. They're equipping nights. They're not listening nights. They're equipping nights. They're nights where we um, come together and we empower, encourage, and spur one another to, to contribute, to come and to dialogue, to wrestle with what God's doing, to participate. Um, we heard this morning about um, from Pete about coming and joining the cafe, and I love the way that he shared that, was that, look, this is, this is about us as a family coming together to serve one another. Um, and when everyone comes and contributes and plays their role, Man, what, what would we see demonstrated in and through the church? We'd see the glory of God. We'd see a greater fullness of his life and his nature expressed through one another. Um, so that's going to be our theme for this evening. Um, we've got our panel. Probably don't need any introduction. Um, Chris, Sandra, Sam, and Greg, for those who um, who are new. Got you covered there, Bruce. Just... Um, well, it'll be a test at the end um, to remember everyone's name. <laughs> just kidding. It's good to have you here. <laughs> um, but yeah, might just um, we might just um, kick it to the panel to start off. We've got a series of questions, um, and then we'll leave a bit of time at the end um, for us to dialogue in our groups. Cool. All right. So question number one. So we've got a, a few questions, um, and then we've got a couple of other passages that we'll look at um, maybe a little bit later on. But I think it would be cool just to tackle um, some of these questions to get us started. So number one, why is it so important that we each come with something to bring when we gather together? It's so powerful that... Uh, when we come together, we have that anticipation of, man, there's something in my spirit that I want to give, instead of saying, well, actually, I'm not paid to do that. And, and that, that thing about I'm not being paid to do it is a modern concept in the church that's actually crippled it. Yeah. It's actually the staff that do all the work. You know, you know, they do the chairs, they do the turning on the lights, the turning off the lights, the, the heating, they, they set up the, you know, everything. They do that. Because they're paid to do it. And we become spiritually fat. We come and we just, you know, just uh, eat the mana and just sit there. And I'm, I'm surprised we haven't had people selling popcorn as we, you know, sit there in the pews. <laughs> because it becomes a show. You well, know actually, I mean? here at The Rock, way, 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 way back in the day, <laughs> <laughs> we did have some services where I got popcorn on the way in. So <laughs> this, is, this is before Greg's time. <laughs> I won't elaborate. Sorry, Chris, go on. <laughs> so, so it's really, really important because if <laughs> to actually begin to see how a body actually is, is brought together to function. And I just saw something over here. Uh, it's been tucked away, but it wants to illustrate something. 
look at this. An old clock. It's actually not going, but... <laughs> there it is there, but you see the hands, you see all the stuff on there. But underneath that is what? It's not a battery, <laughs> as most a lot of them are. In there you've got all the little cogs, everything here, and every little cog has plays a really important part. You take one cog out of there, or one little nut or screw or anything like that, that thing has trouble trying to work. It can't function the way it was designed to function. Not only that, it can't remain accurate. So accuracy comes from us all inputting and being part of it. Because everybody has something to contribute. And everybody actually has the... It helps the momentum of everything going forward. So it's a great little example of something far bigger. <laughs> so um, if I go to one of our orchestra rehearsals and I haven't practiced my part or I forget my music or I forget my instrument... <laughs> Um, and you multiply that by 80 to 90% of the orchestra, do you have the sound? And th th the thing is, there's an ownership, isn't there? And every, every single person is important. Whether you're playing, you might be in whatever that work is that the triangle player only plays one note in the whole symphony, Chris will tell you what it is. It's Brooke. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Brooke Symphony. One Number note. Seven. But I tell you what, you want to get that one note right. Because it's there for a reason and the composer has put it there because it adds something that is not there without it, you know. The symphony's an hour and a half long and he's only got one note to play. That's right. <laughs> so so the, the analogy is so key. Um, and... It, just today I was reminded about um, in Acts 2, we're going to possibly hop there a bit later, and it says they were in one accord. And um, so it's Acts 2.26. And they, they were with one mind, or sometimes it's translated with one accord, with one passion. And that, that particular word, I won't try and pronounce it, but... The description that I have found previously and the Lord reminded me about um, is very interesting. So it's a unique Greek word used 10 of its 12 New Testament occurrences in the book of Acts and it helps us understand the uniqueness of the Christian community. This homo whatever th thing it is, um, is a compound of two words meaning to rush along and in unison, the image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded, which, while different, harmonise in pitch and tone. As the instruments of a great orchestra under the direction of a conductor, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of the members of Christ's church. So it's a unique word that has been used to describe what Christian community is. So that's why we need a revelation of who we are, because otherwise we won't participate as full partners, and that's what this is all about. Just, can I just add one thing to that? When, when you do recordings uh, in a studio, um, when you're 
if you're writing, a, if you're playing a string part, if you just had Sandra playing the first violin part, and then you multiplied her, say, 14 times, like you'd normally have in an orchestra, it would sound like one person playing. And the reason is, the reason why they need 14 different players or a number of different players playing the same part is because the vibrato is slightly different. So what happens is, when everybody's playing and they're all doing their own vibrato, it provides what's called a warmth to the sound. It creates a fullness. So that's why you need others playing. And it creates that oneness and it creates such warmth. That's why we need each other as well. <laughs> I'm still thinking about the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> if you want context for that, I'll share it later. Maybe. <laughs> we didn't sell it, but anyway. Cool. No, it's it's powerful way, eh? you know, when everyone comes and, and plays their role well, you know. Um, and I, you know, obviously, you know, the context is that you're, you're paid to be part of the orchestra, you know, but we're not paid to be part of the body of Christ. And I guess the question is that I have is, should that be any different, you know? Should money be what motivates us? And our oneness and our togetherness and our intentionality? Of course not, you know. Um, and, and yet, then why do we see such a distinction between our work lives and, you know, the way that we come and, and, and play our role as part of the body of Christ, you know? I certainly know that I'm intentional in my workplace. The clothes that I wear each day are determined by the meetings that I have on in that day. You know, it determines the time that I turn up in the morning or how, how late I work, whether I have a lunch break or not. It, it is, all of these sorts of things are just so naturally determined by what, I, you know, what it is that I need to be invested in for that day. And I think that's the same for us when we gather together. If we see the purpose for our gathering and what it is that God is building, it creates perspective and sight for how we approach our gathering together and our intention towards one another when we do meet. Hey. So. I think that's the challenge, isn't it? Because you look at this, and what the word that stood out for me was outcome. So God always paints you a picture of an outcome so you can see it. But then we then go to try to make it happen. And that's why we never see it. And this is why identity is crucial because it's like it's it's knowing the way in which the outcome is going to materialize and that's the key you know because the the flip side of this of a church that sits there doing nothing is the other side which is all about trying to do it and you've got these two extremes and both actually aren't of him um, hence the outcome is his but we must be able to see the way in which that outcome becomes a reality because the other challenge of this is this could be very chaotic. <laughs> you know, it's like if we only know one side, it's like right now everyone's coming with a psalm, everyone's coming with a tongue, everyone's coming with a temperature, and it's just a whole lot of noise. And now we sound like gongs, and everyone's fighting to try and get their psalm heard or their interpretation heard, and you shut up, and I got the thing, and I shut up. And so you go, that's chaotic too. 
And so once again, this is the essential part of being able to see in the unseen because the reality is on any given day, let's just imagine we're this church that actually all come with something. Then you need to know when or when not to use your something. So Sam could be with his something, stand up and declare, and God says, don't you do that. You're actually not going to say anything today. But I brought my something. Good. But I don't want you to share it. It may have just been for you. Oh, that's a new thought. Or it could be both in tandem. But here's the other thought I had is when I don't bring my part, then who plays my part? And maybe nobody can play the part. But then someone tries to play the part. And so it's someone trying to play a violin and they can't play a violin. But God loves the effort. But the sound is like, oh my goodness, what is that? And so that's the other challenge. But I want to leave us with that thought that it's one thing for this to be an outcome and to pursue, but we must pursue him not this. If we know him, this will naturally be an outcome. And then as it says, there will be edification, not squabble. I, I sense that it's, there's so much around being presently present, you know, and uh, rather than, to me that's what this intentionality is, that um, you, are, you are there absolutely actively present in every moment and then you're ready to to move or to say or to not move or but you're presently present because you can be actively engaged in what is happening and coming in agreement and that is who we are we don't actually have to say anything to be doing that we we are actually adding our part simply by being somewhere not physically just being there but be actively present there you know and you notice I notice when people are not there I really do because you miss their presence in the place because of the fact that they they are actively present when they're there so when they're not there it's like there's a gap you know so I think that that's a big thing to keep in mind yeah can I add to that and that determines the atmosphere in the room okay because it's it's us it's God can do whatever he wants, but more often than not, God is drawn to faith. He's drawn to a heart that's drawn to him. So you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. We can all be in a room, but we're vacant. And the presence of God is vacant. But when we're present, the presence of God is present. And this is where you can't get away from this partnership, this relationship, this fellowship with him. It's not that I'm just going to do it or you go sit back. It's we do it together. You're my co Air. you're one with me so if you don't bring your part I may hold my part back so you then learn you must bring your part into this relationship and I've man over the years of leading you know and trying to not trying but in, in leading you you really see it and you feel it you you know when unbelief walks in the room and it's heavy and it's like man we're at a funeral we're supposed to be at a celebration service and it feels like someone died. He did, but he rose again. <laughs> you know, and it's like, man, this was full on. So we really play a part in creating, not through our ability, but through faith, yeah. 
through belief an environment of life for God to come and move. And what that does, and I don't know if you've experienced it, but that, that is the thing that enables you to get out of you. It's like you just got out of your head, if you can hear what I'm saying. And now your spirit is ready because your head got out the way because of the atmosphere and the faith in the room that is so tangible. You can cut it with a knife. You can bite it. You can feel it, sense it. It's like, man, this is different. And sometimes we have services, and I say to the guys at Prayer, I wish I could bottle it and they just release it every Sunday. Because it goes up and down a little bit yes. instead of just going up, up, Absolutely. up, up, up. And so we really do play a significant part in that. And so you can very quickly see that, you know, while it says that everyone brings a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, it's not just the vocalizing of a certain psalm that means that you're playing your role, you know. It's, it's the intentionality of how we gather together is, is what I hear Greg sharing, you know, that you can be presently present even if you don't necessarily speak on the microphone, Absolutely. but your very presence and your being and the way that you're coming to contribute and be part of what God's doing, joining in faith and belief for what it is that he's wanting to see established in and through the body is the very thing that he's looking for, eh? So that you're ready and prepared that when that moment comes that he does say to speak or to bring a psalm, you're postured and ready to go, you know? Can I just add that you have psalms coming out of you all the time. So, so just, just let it out, you know? And that doesn't need to be one person hearing one psalm. It's like in our worship, we bring what we have in, inside of us. So I personally think that everybody has a psalm. Not everyone might have a teaching, but everyone has a psalm because we all have a song. We have a song of deliverance that the Lord's given us. You know, in, in Philippians 2, it said, um, it, it says, if anyone has any encouragement in Christ. Well, who here has got any encouragement in Christ? Right. We should have a full show of hands, right? right? Has any got any consolation of love? Again, we've got a full show of hands, right? Any fellowship of the Spirit? Full show of hands. Any affection and compassion? A full show of hands. Do you see what I mean? So we all come with that. What we don't come with is, is a, a, a lack of that. You know, it's living in the Spirit, not living in the flesh and sort of... And it's okay, we have hard times and stuff like that. And I'm not saying put on something that you aren't. But there is, there is a wellspring for each of us and it's out of the wellspring that our lives flow and then that becomes something in a corporate sense that is by far greater than the singular. It, it multiplies beyond um, comparison and it flows out. And the, the follow-on from that, um, that Philippians 2.1 is make my joy complete by being one in spirit, one in mind, one purpose, one love. And that's how that will happen is that we just are living from him inside us, yeah? 
I think that kind of flows into our second question, um, which is what can we expect to see when everyone does come with that posture, when everyone does come to to contribute, to run in their their own lane, to you know, um, to be invested in, in the community? What what would we expect to see here at the Rock and um, and amongst the, the body of Christ? I guess when uh, the greatest example of all of this as a picture is um, the first early church in, in uh, Acts 2. You read that, um, <clears throat> you know, they all prayed. So how many were not praying? <laughs> they all. So how many gave? All. So how many fellowshiped? So how many um, gave thanks? And how many continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine? And fear came upon all. So there was no little groups here or there doing, some of them doing it, some of them not. It was all. And it's such a, a wonderful thing of, of they were one with him and they were one with each other. And that's where unity comes from. It's one with him first. And there's this, 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 and they're meeting in people's places. There's a, a real organic um, growing together as they're hungry to grow more and more of him inside them. They're, they're wanting fellowship and praying. They're all together. And you see, at the prayer meetings, <laughs> it was what? All. They were praying together. This was, there was such life and urgency and everybody was growing in it. And the breaking of bread and fellowship and things like that. Ephesians talks about one mind, one body, one spirit. And it goes on about that unity of oneness. And then underneath that it talks about, and God gave, gave gifts to men. Isn't that interesting? Oneness, the gifts flowed automatically. In fact, in Acts you don't even hear about the gifts. At, at, that, at that particular early church. Why? Because it came automatically. It flowed. There was no title. There was no this or that. It just flowed out. And in Ephesians, you see it there, uh, that oneness, that God gives the gifts. And later on, you see in, in Corinthians, you see Paul writes about how there are divisions among you. And he talks about the gifts and things like that. There was no oneness. The oneness created such harmony in life that the gifts just flowed. So what creates the oneness? Like my question is why? Like what's what is the motivation behind this behavior? That's to anyone. Um I, I for me I think it's it's revelation, you know. Um that we see here in in the book of Acts, you know, it can be so easy to just see their behaviour yeah. and try and copy behaviour, thinking that the formula is that if we just do these things, we will enter into the same life. But I think that we, if you if you read the chapters before, they hear the the um, you know the preaching of um, of Peter. And they repent, um, and there's revelation that comes, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and so there's a there's something that happens in the inside of them that motivates them 
to live a certain kind of way and motivates them to to lay down their lives. So I think to me that they've that th- they've all they've all received something and seen something that empowers that. Which is so it's the revelation of something. What is mm. the something? I think it's the revelation of Christ and His eternal purpose. You know, um, I, I think you know because we we see like like Peter's talking from the Old Testament scriptures, right? You know, he's um, he's 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 proclaiming the mysteries that were hidden before the foundations of the world that all of a sudden are being made known um, and and seeing the mystery of Christ and the mystery of who the church are and who they were called always called to be um, and he's proclaiming that and these people were like oh my oh my goodness they go from some of them from you know just being like we see getting it right getting it wrong denying him to these fully um, wholehearted devoted um, passionate guys you know there's a there's a such a stark difference between where they were and then what they entered into in, in, in just a matter of chapters eh? so can I ask these guys a question yeah. why am I asking the why question to these guys Or, in your own words, why is the answer that Sam gave the answer? Because all things are contained in him. See, so often, this is what I've seen in the body of Christ. We go, got Jesus, now this. Jesus and... And so we never get this expression because it's Jesus and instead of it's just Jesus. So like Shirley shared with me after the service this really cool thing about the word that built creation naturally created a demonstration. There wasn't a gap. There wasn't word and. It went word spoke creation came it's one continuous flow we put a gap in the middle so in christ continue to be in christ revelation of christ you know how to operate like this you will come ready to it's not jesus and and that's where the hoodwink is because we then go chasing the and this other bit outcome and still don't seem to see it manifested and yet that is too simple no i've already got them then live what then live so yes you have him but you need more of him because he is the wisdom of god isn't he so if you have the wisdom of god in you do you think you know to go to a course to figure out how to live that wisdom out or do you think it naturally just comes out of you See, it's so innate. It scares us. So are you saying that all we need to do is know him through revelation and that our lives will look like this? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. Yeah, Christian. Oh, just one here and then one here. Just for the recording. I agree with what you said, Greg, but I'm interested to have that unpacked a bit more because I think that that isn't particularly accessible 
for some people where they're at in their journey and I think that's where the Holy Spirit would you say that's where the Holy Spirit comes in as far as the being in him how that's revealed to us is through the Holy Spirit revealing that to us because if you yeah. because if you just say to somebody you don't need and 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 you just need to be in him and they go but what does that mean and what does that look like because that's the holy spirit reveals that to us moment by moment because truth the end of all truth jesus at the end of all truth but it's revealed to us via the holy spirit yep yes (laughs) and that is a mystery that can be known if you know the person called the holy spirit because he's the one that jesus has left to lead the church into the fullness of himself. Yep. Not principles, the truth, a person. And I love the how because it's like that's the challenge is it's like, okay, so how am I? I no, 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 not how are you? <laughs> how is through revelation yep. of the Holy Spirit who is the knowing of every thought that the Father has. He's the only one that knows. How can know the thoughts of a man but the man himself? Who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? And the Spirit of God has been given to renew our minds to the thoughts of God, which no man can enter into without the one I've sent, who has been commissioned to lead the truth into all of the Father. So, yes, it is him, full stop. And that's what makes it so, because we go, but, but, yeah, there's no but. And it's so simple, but profoundly mysterious and deep. And it challenges the how of man, and that must be put down. Literally, put down. (laughs) And left there. And then your help. Oh, that's a good prayer. (laughs) And then he comes and starts to show you everything in. And that's what I said this morning. Revelation is not you studying this book and learning new things. Revelation is when he shows you, he gives you. The Son is the only one that gives the eternal food. When I say the Son, Holy Spirit, he gives it. All you have to do is receive it. But it's through his power, his anointing, his presence, his spirit, which is supernatural, not natural. So then we keep coming back to, do I know him? Yes. How did I know him? How do I know him? Do I just know about him or do I actually know him? Hence, you know, you can't get away from that. Even with these gifts, you can't get away from it's about a knowing of God. Yeah. We want to. We want to. No, come back. Yeah. And then the outcome will just naturally flow. And it's innate is breathing. Tell me how you breathe. Now you can go do some study or probably that, but actually do the, how does that happen? He hits me, how does that, I don't know, I just do it. I don't know, it's just reflex. That's how, this is how natural, this is how real this is. The truth will make you free. It bypasses this thing. And that's why we struggle. Do you know how that works? Nah. Do you know how you got saved? No. I had this encounter thing. This person that was there came in here and all of a sudden this was real and, and, and this, I had this love in my heart and I needed to share Jesus with everybody. I wasn't thinking that when I woke up. 
I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And now I'm just living from what happened. And as I enter into that more and more, because I have a reference for what happened, so now I have a reference for what I'm looking for, I can discern the difference between the word of man and the word of God. Why? Because I've got a reference point. That's not that. That's it. And so this natural expression of the gifts just is. And it takes us out of the play in the way of the operating system, but brings us into play in being used. We went to Cambodia, didn't we? We didn't stay here and preach from here and went, hope they get it. No, we went, but we went and you go with the power of God flowing in you, through you, called grace. But you know it's not you. It's him. And it's just one more thing. Like it's, it's a humbling thing then to, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's easy to say, I know God, but I'm just working on these things because my life doesn't quite reflect what I read in the scriptures at the moment, you know. Whoever says, oh, actually, yeah, I, genu- I, ju- I just don't know God, and if I did, my life would reflect what I... No one says that. You know, it's easier to just say, I know God, I'm just working on some things, you know, than it is to just wholeheartedly admit, yeah, I, I don't know him. You know, <laughs> if, if I did, then my life would look different, you know. So, Harriet. I do kind of have a bit of an example. Um, so I've had several people recently and in the past say to me how encouraging it is to see me like in church worshipping and worshipping freely, like praising God freely. Um, and that's just, I just don't think much of it because it's just who I am. But actually th- looking back, that came from revelation from him. Like several years ago, um, I wasn't like that and was pretty rigid and conservative in my relationship. Um, which was from self-consciousness and from yeah, because no one, one else was doing that good and so mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and God kind of said, you have an audience of one. Absolutely. Like, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. Good, like, you're praising me. Absolutely. And from that, okay, it didn't happen overnight. It's taken a lot of him like breaking stuff and breaking the fear of man and everything to come into the freedom that I feel. Mm. But, you know, that's just, now it's just innate. It's just who I am. There's nothing that, you're not tr- I'm not trying to do it. And the thing is, if people try and do it, then it looks fake. Yeah, that's and that's right. not, yeah. that's not encouraging. People can see that from a mile away. Mm. Yeah. I've even been not part of this team, thankfully, but I've been part of other music teams where I've actually <laughs> been encouraged to fake it till you make it which just doesn't work and it feels wrong in yourself and people can see it and it looks wrong. It's just got to come out of him. Any other questions? Cool. All right. Move on to our next question for the panel. Question number three, do you need a formal position in order to contribute um, to being part of a gathering? Do you need a formal position to be able to contribute to what God is doing? Do you need to be a discipleship group leader, a pastor, an elder? (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) I just shot that down, Danny Simnor, 2019. (laughs) Here at The Rock, you need a formal position. (laughs) 
man's ways is always wanting recognition yeah. of something. Yeah. It's the flesh within us. We want to be recognized for our special something or other. Yeah. And so whether it's in a title or in a position or known for our gifts or known for this or known for that, we want people to know. And you often hear it when, um, <laughs> when um, things get shut down. But what about my gift? There is something about my gift, my position, my whether it's got a title or whether it hasn't got a title. Um, it was interesting when this church went through a lot of transitions, when things were sort of laid down. There were a lot of people talking about that. But what about my gift? What about this? What about that? What about, um, you know, my team or my this? And that people wanted to be recognized. But I've got this. You know, it's like, hang on a minute. It was all centered about ourselves. And that ha has to die for it. You know, the only reason why the, the, uh, the church in Acts was so organic and so innate was because they actually laid their lives down for each other. There wasn't any holding back. So it wasn't about titles. It wasn't about positions. It just naturally flowed. We have created that within the, in the body of Christ. And uh, I remember when we first <laughs> got saved, boy, it was all over the show. It was rife throughout the whole church. It's funny, isn't it? Because the disciples looked for position. So James and John are a classic. They're in the tight three. Hey, who's going to be first? Can we sit with you? Who's the best? It's so ingrained in our our mind you know it's part of actually our, we, we look because we don't know who we are yeah. we look for position to determine our identity yeah. right. instead of just knowing who you are and being free yeah. right. and so much of it the, the challenge is we've been conditioned by an institutional model yeah. called the institution and it's run as a club, an organisation, a business, everything there. And it's pretty big and it shines <laughs> brightly. And, and so it brings you in because you don't have a reference point. So you, revelation gives you a reference point for Jesus. The more revelation, the greater the reference point for what Jesus builds and how he builds it. No revelation, no reference. So you trust man. This was me. I'm like first generation follower of Jesus, got no idea, turn up thinking, well, these people have been Christians for ages. Certainly they must know what they're talking about. Maybe, maybe not, because it's all based on revelation, not whether you've been brought up with something or not. It's whether you know a person or not. And so we're all part of this sort of washing machine thing, and we're trying to figure out who he really is and how he does and how he builds everything. But at the same time, man who doesn't relinquish control goes, no, I can build this. God's given me abilities, given me powers, given me graces, given me gifting, and I can build. But Jesus said, unless the builder falls on the cornerstone and gets smashed into pieces, then it's all done in vain. But the problem is a builder builds. So a builder that doesn't fall on the cornerstone will still build something. And then he calls people to what he's built. And because we have no reference point through Revelation, we go, this must be it. And so all of a sudden now you've bought into a model which isn't kingdom, it's empire building. And it's led by man and facilitated by man and the operating system is man. 
And so now it's all about becoming this and becoming that and becoming this. You need to aspire to become the life group leader. You need to aspire to become an You aspire. You have self-ambition in you, which the Bible says is demonic wisdom. And yet it can look like the real thing. Because does God want elders? Yes. Does he want to subject? Yes, he does. But led by him and anointed by him and chosen by him and called by him and sent by him. And it's so fine. And so this organic model, which is innate, holistic, is all of the spirit, which comes back to what Abby was saying before, is that it's about the spirit doing the work, the spirit showing, the spirit building, and man coming under the learning system of the spirit. So then you get the fruit of the spirit. It's called the gifts of the spirit. And then you get the outworking of the spirit. And then you get a reward that's spiritual. (laughs) Hey, it works. I think this is the key in in, in what you're describing about this. Um, this being an, an innate life that's in us that motivates our actions, you know, because then <clears throat> as you start to grow and mature, you'll naturally find yourselves in certain environments, you'll be operating in a particular way, and then hopefully you'll be given a role and a responsibility based on the innate life that's within you, you know. So instead of just being given a position of elder, but you're actually you know, still highly mature, that you've actually grown in him and you start to express the attributes of being an elder without the title or or a music leader, you are just, you're leading through the demonstration of your life and it's such an organic and natural expression that people see that on you and say, hey, um, I, we, we recognize that in and through you, we'd like you to play this this functioning role. And all of a sudden, you're not defined by your gift. Your gift is a natural expression or your position is a natural innate expression of the life that lives inside of you and it doesn't cripple you. It helps facilitate and it serves the body of Christ as opposed to being self-serving, you know? And so I think in, in saying that, there's, there's so much tension in all of this because sometimes you do need to step into a role that, you know, Greg's used the example of a, a big pair of shoes and needing to, to mature into it. But I think in, in, in other ways there needs to be, um, you know, this this um, this innate life that determines and defines. That's the key, like, thing that motivates and drives you, as opposed to just the the position or the title itself. So. To me, it's love, because if 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 it's not out of love for him that has you know and and that love comes when you receive his love and and that in my experience came when I came to the breaking of my, my source um, then then there is this desire to to love him with your whole self and and what that looks like actually doesn't worry you it, it's not does it is it recognized is it not recognized is it, it's just i love him and i'm not my own anymore i you know and 
the, the verse 3 of Philippines 2, I've already read verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 3 says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. To me, it's an expression of Christ's love, you know, and that is the, the demonstration of who we are and who he's caused and made us to be. But it, it, it is, it's a heart, it's, it, it has to grab each one of us in the heart. It's not something we can put on. Um, but he, he wants this genuine expression of who he is and his, his manner of walking and living and being expressed through the church. So it's actually got nothing at all to do with something that's recognised by a man or, or whoever, you know, that's just not even in the equation. And if that happens, well then, he, he usually just gives you a preemptive, you know, will you take this? And he wants your yes, and it's a yes of obedience and surrender again, you know? And then you walk in, in that, not because that's a great and mighty thing that you're going to do, but in utter knowing that you can't do it but he's asked you to do it so he's going to enable and equip you in that walking so in everything it's life is like that I can't but you can and I'm yours so yes Lord (laughs) Um, that's that's the way it's worked in my life anyway Mm. I was just going to comment and you basically took the words out of my mouth Sam anyway but it would just reiterate what you said about that position um, and so often in the world it is um, you're given a role and responsibility because of a position, but that's not how God uses it clearly. Um, and so we all, all, all have a role, that's what Corinthians is saying. We all have a role and responsibility. It's the partnership, it's the co-heir with Christ, it's the you know, working together um, without having a position. But we actually still, we have a position in Christ, but it, it's not like a, do you know what I mean? Like it's... We call it a position because I am positioned in Christ because of who he says I am, not of what a man has said I am. And so my validation is through the f- from the Father, not from a man. And to me, it speaks of identity. It's totally about identity. And if I, identity is in what someone says about me, I'm going to be crushed every time. If it's about what the Father says about me, we're on, a, we're, we're on the winning team. Yeah. That's why he says, seek first my kingdom, because contained in the spiritual kingdom is everything to life and operation. And so, as we've said before, the challenge is we're all empire seekers. We've all sought our own empires. And then you meet this guy called Jesus, and he smashes you and says, okay, that was cool, but now actually it's about being kingdom people. So you now have to seek first the kingdom. But God, I've got 29 years of an empire and some of it's been good and some of it's a disaster and here we are and, you know and you've learned to trust in yourself you've learned to understand things you've learned to grapple you've you know you've got a brain and you've tried to figure stuff out but you've built something but really it's all futile and so you've got to start again start all over again we don't like that and so you have to come as a child but i'm a 29 year old adult who has acquired knowledge yeah but greg you got to come as a child well how do i become a child great question 
let me show you. Oh, I don't really like that. Well, tough. It's that or nothing. No, okay. Go and play again. Here I am again. <laughs> you ready to be a child? No. Okay, see you later. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, eh? <laughs> now I really hurt myself. Are you ready for a debut? Yes, I am. Okay, let's go together. You know, and the, this, and so in this unpacking, we have to relearn. You know, that's why he says, "Come to me and learn." So many of us come, leave our crap, and then go. He says, "Where you're going? It's come to me and stay." And unyoke yourself from the world, which is you and everything you've built, your empire. Now learn from me because you have no understanding of who I am, my father and my, the way. And now we start. And so through absolute surrender, all, not 99.9, that will keep you out, rich young ruler. All, now I have your heart. Now together we can actually, I can build you while you just stay humble and be like a child. And there is a work in that in saying, I don't do the work, but I seek, ask, and knock. So once again, Holy Spirit, I understand you've been given to teach me, to change me, to transform me, to build me through the power of the Father's word, not his teaching, the Father's teaching. As I receive that, and all of a sudden, everything starts to make sense. But it's from an unseen place. You've received this truth from an unseen reality. And every one of us has to go there. Every one of us. If we want to be the church as a whole, everyone in this room and everyone here has to go to the same place. You have to say the same yes and amen. You have to be confronted with the same thing. We're all going to be confronted with the same reality. If half the room goes, then there's oneness here. There's not oneness here. But if the whole room says, yes, let's encourage each other, edify one another, we understand because we're now seeing the design. We see the blueprint. I hear it. Oh, my goodness, I can see it. For the first time in my life, I can see the pattern. And it works. And you're at complete rest. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? How does that work? I don't know, but it works. It's not logical. It's not rational. It's not reasonable. No, it's not from that tree. It's from the tree of revelation, the tree of life. You've been trying to pick your fruit from the wrong tree and learn from a root system that's dead. Sorry, um, it's interesting, Stephen never um, put his name forward. He was prayed for and chosen. And he, he didn't, he didn't um, stand there saying, pick me, pick me. <laughs> it's like Donkey did. <laughs> Sorry. But there is a thing of, uh, you know, if, if all you see is, is your gifting and you want it promoted, you're going to be disappointed. But the people, the, the disciples that they prayed, they prayed over who, which one that God chosen. He wasn't chosen for his gift. He was chosen for what God was, had done inside him and his relationship with him and the depth of relationship that he had. And so out of that flowed the gift. And so it's the same thing for us. You know, if, if our focus is on what we've got to, you know, our gifting, that we put it on the pedestal and it gets hurt because 
we're expecting, hey, why is nobody recognizing my great talent, my gift, my healing ministry, my this, my that? It should just flow out. It should, you should be who you are in him. And that's why our, our identity in Christ is so, so important. Otherwise, we chase the wrong thing. I've seen so many <laughs> people chase the wrong thing. And they get disappointed and they go from body from one body of believers to another body of believers and they go from one to the other and they never really settle because they're wanting somebody to accept their ministry. And if that doesn't happen, they'll start of their own group. And we get all these little wee groups everywhere, all over the show, and it's <laughs> a divided body. The, the beautiful thing is that that he does give gifts, but he wants to define it. And the, the process of the defining, in, certainly in my experience, and I've seen it elsewhere, is that it has to be laid down. Yep. It has to die. Yep. Because until that process of death and resurrection happens, and it's, it's like literally die, and if it never, happen, it never comes up again, that's cool. That kind of die. Not, I've just got to, it's got to die, and then I'm going to wait until it, because we're not really letting it go. And when that happens, what, what happens is when he raises it up, you realise that there's freedom. So there's rest in it. And there's not the entanglement of self and flesh and self-consciousness and, and needing people's affirmation and all this junk that is flesh with this beautiful gift, but flesh is squeezing the life out of it and causing it to be used for selfish gain. And, you know... It, that, that's just an encouragement. Don't ever think that, that you know, I've got a gift, so if I'm not using it, it's like I've got to push it forward. It's just like give yourself to the Lord, you know, and, and allow him to do what he has to do deep in your heart because it's not actually about the gift. It's about you being like Christ. And, and the, the, that heart posture is actually the work that um, that is the key thing that's going into eternity, not your little gift. John the Baptist also is... Uh, I mean, if you look at all the Pharisees, what are they bickering and fighting over each other? Titles, positions, you know, trying to be somebody. And yet they, then they suddenly are challenged by this man out in the wilderness. And they say to him, you know, who are you? What, what, what position or title have you got? And he says, I'm just a voice crying out in the wilderness, you know. And it says that the Son of Man didn't come to be uh, didn't, um, didn't come to be served, but to serve. You know, and imagine if if he didn't come with that posture, what his life would have looked like. You know, gets up the first time to preach, people literally try to throw him off a cliff. You know, it's like if his identity is in speaking, so that he can be recognised and esteemed for the gift that's on him, and you know, then this whole his whole ministry and this whole gospel is totally flawed, you know? But he came not um, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life, you know? And I think that that's the posture that's to govern all of our serving, hey, you know? And what we're not saying is gifts aren't important. Hey, so I just felt the Spirit just prick me to say, just, so just to say that, because what I know they didn't say that, but I know it can be heard like that. It's a sequencing pattern, okay? So the gifts are essential for the building of the body of Christ. 
they must be activated, but they are defined from identity and knowing God. Okay, that's how you get James and John trying to torch people because they didn't have love in them yet. Okay, and Jesus says, guys, I didn't come to kill, I came to save. So the challenge for us is we must be in the position of one, which is hidden in an unseen realm, and then you see it. The challenge is you get the gift for free in a very immature state. You have to be grown in the nature and the character of God. So then you know how to handle the gift appropriately. It's like when I learned to play golf and I got my first golf set. Okay, go with me. Have you ever tried to play golf? It's quite hard to hit the ball straight. Would you agree? You might be able to hit the ball, but look out everybody else if they're behind you that way, that way. The, the goal is you hit it straight, and if you get really good, then you can either draw the ball or fade the ball, but just hitting the ball. So then you've got to give the clubs back to someone called a pro and go, can you show me how to use this thing? Because when I hit it, everyone's in danger. But when you hit it, even though people are what? Watching this golf game on either side of the fairway, they're never really in danger, maybe now and again, but generally the people, the ball hits the thing. And, and it's like that with God. So he gives you this gift. Well, I don't know how to use a golf club. Show me. Okay, let me teach you. Let me show you how to hold the club properly. Never mind swinging. You've got to hold it. It's so intentional. It's strategic. And so then I get up. And I'm able to hit the ball. And now, oh, wow, look, it's going down the fairway. I've got a par. Woohoo! Then you get a birdie. Then you get really excited. And it's like, so it's the same in the spirit. I got the set of golf clubs because someone bought me a gift. There you go. I didn't earn it. I didn't figure it out. Same with God. He says, now grow as a golfer so you don't kill anyone. <laughs> Hear what I'm saying? You can kill people with your gift. Prophets do it all the time. Yes. So can teachers. Yes. So can people with whatever. You can cut people to pieces. But it's the truth. And they're going to hear the truth. So help me God. I'm going to preach them those truth, those sinners, those scumbags. <laughs> and I'm representing my father really well, aren't I? Maybe not. So love Christ gift together you get his body and it looks and sounds like her any questions none at all cool all right I reckon we might um, call it a night there. Um, I think we'll save the questions for next week. Um, you're welcome to take a um, take a pamphlet on your way out. Um, and oh, you don't have them? No, that's cool. Not enough to give everyone. If you're particularly keen on one, you can take one. <laughs> um, cool. Is anyone who'd like to pray to to finish us off? Father, I thank you that you live in us. I thank you that 
everything good comes from you um, and it all comes from knowing you and that as we know you and as we seek you, you bring greater revelation. Um, and I pray, Father, that we take this on board and just lay everything down, lay down the gifts that you've given us um, and you show us how to use them. Um, you show us how you want us to use them through your love, not for um, any recognition, not for um, to boost our egos because that's just that's just flesh and that's not you. Um, and so, Father, I just pray, yeah, just for greater revelation of you and just new ways of um, being encouraging, being intentional, um, being you within the body, new ways that you want to use us in the body in ways that we might not expect. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Have a great week, guys.